Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Some time ago, recently, I received a phone call from an old friend of mine, and I had kind of lost touch for months or even longer that we haven't really spoken to each other or we haven't seen each other even longer than that. He expressed his desire to speak with me, so we got in contact through the phone, and over the phone, he began to tell me how difficult his life has been, experiencing things that he had never experienced before, running into hardships that he had never encountered before. And this was quite telling, and this was quite concerning to me as I was hearing my brother speak of how hard his life had been. Because in the past two decades, I have seen this man suffer greatly, losing his family members, several family members. And so for, for, for me to hear my friend convey how difficult life has become, it was really heartbreaking. And I spent most of our phone conversation just listening to him talk and as he continued to unload his difficulties and his pain. And I, I, and I discerned that in the middle of conversation that most of his questions that were lingering throughout the day was, throughout the conversation was that, why is this happening to me? Why all of a sudden am I experiencing something so difficult? And those questions begin to develop as if God is indeed in my life, if indeed I belong to God, why is God not actively working? Why is not God delivering me out of this hardship? Or better yet, What can I do in response to all of these terrible things, all of these bad things happening in my life? Again, I mostly listened during our conversation. As we eventually hung up the phone, I simply said, hey man, God loves you, he's with you, and I believe that he's eager to see you more mature. And I believe that God is eager to see you become even stronger than you already are. Why God? Or why me, God? These are often the questions we ask when tragedy strikes. Whether it happens after getting a flat tire or whether it is uh, us getting sick in the middle of a very busy uh, work week or Uh, we find ourselves suddenly stuck in a financial rut? Such questions arise because somewhere along the way, we have become convinced that life with God should be good all the time or most of the time. And let let us not be naive here. Let's be very fair. And we we don't really necessarily uh, expect that our life with God, that, that we, while we don't expect a trouble-free life, why don't, while, while we don't expect VIP treatment, always rosy treatment, we also don't expect, we also don't experience that no significant trouble should ever hit us because 
We have signed on to this new life with God, meaning God cares for us. God provides for us. And in that, God is always wanting to protect us in everything that we go through in life. Well, that's not true, isn't it? That's actually one of the greatest misconceptions of the Christian life, that life with God does not mean, does not equate trouble-free life. In spite of that, many people believe that God should protect us from eerie hardships, large and small. God is good so that our life in him should also be very fair. You know, the Bible suggests, particularly in the book of Job, chapter 5, verse 7, says this. People are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. And this verse simply portrays and conveys the truth that how common, how easy, how real it is for people to encounter trouble and hardships during the course of our lives. You see, the author of this book, Job encountered all sorts of trouble here, all because, simply because the devil one day rolled up to God and said, you know what, God, I bet that your servant, God, your servant Job would not remain faithful to you. The only reason why Job is faithful to you is because you have made his life very easy. The only reason of Job's faithfulness to you and his loyalty to you, the reason why he praises you is because you have allowed only good things to happen in his life. So Satan, the devil, all of his evil uh, intent, he tried to move God. And God was certainly up for the task. You know what? I am confident that Job will remain faithful regardless of his circumstances in his life. And it reminded Satan that one thing he could not do, that he was not to touch Job's life. And everything was off limits. So immediately the bet was met or the wager was uh, agreed upon and Satan went to work. Oh boy, did he go to work. And he, he began to attack every part, every facet of Job's life. He began to slaughter. He began to uh, uh, plague his uh, uh, large amount of cattle with diseases. So in a blink of an eye, he saw his incredible wealth vanish into thin air. Not only that, he began to see his own family members being lost. And soon enough, as troubles came, he saw his friends, all the people in the community just began to flee him as well. And not only that, he began to also experience his own physical health problems. He, one day he woke up and he found boils all over his body. What are boils? These are open sores, very painful, very annoying, causing his limbs to just atrophy and just not affecting his every movement. All of a sudden, his own physical body was in deep pain as well. Do you know what Job said? In the midst of these troubles, he says, Though he slay me, I will hope and trust in him. 
Job's mindset was such that even my life to be taken away in this moment, I will not turn away from God. I will continue to trust God. I will, be, I will continue to hold on to the fact that God will one day rescue me. I will continue to hope and trust in him. And today's text, this is the very end of the book of Job. And not sure how long Job actually encountered these troubles. You know, I tried to do some research, and the findings vary all the way across the spectrum here. Some say that it lasted a couple weeks. Some say several months. Some say even more than years. But the trouble was so great. Again, as I mentioned before, he encountered debts, loss of wealth, physical illness, loneliness, etc., let me turn our attention to verses 4 through 6 in today's passage. And this is Job conveying his heart to the Lord. Mind you, God had not come to his rescue yet. No change has been made in his life circumstances. Again, he's deep in his trouble. But these are the words of faithful servant Job. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. So what's happening here, he starts off well, but as time wears off on him, he, 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 he questions, and his faith is a little bit more dwindled, and he finds himself in a sh- on shaky ground. But here he turns around. He radically declares to the Lord, say, you know what? My eyes now see you. Therefore, I retract from all my doubts, all my complaints, and I repent in dust and ashes. How incredible is that? Mind you, let me, let me, let me convey these words again. God has not yet come to Job's rescue. That actually happens in the succeeding verses where God restores his fortunes, his family, and his reputation. And and the Bible says more than what he had even before. So I pose the same question to ourselves today. How can we make sense of the trouble that we are going through. What are we to think as we encounter various hardships and pain and suffering in our own lives? What are we to do in moments of silence where we struggle to hear God's voice, where we uh, struggle to discern God's purpose and will in and for our lives? And sometimes in those moments, we also ask the questions, Man, what does God think of what I'm going through? What does God feel of the hardships that I'm currently in? As pressures weigh on us, as the hardships and the burden and the weight of the burdens that we carry pressed pressed down on our shoulders, we also question Does God not care anymore? Does God not love me anymore? Will God ever show up in my life? And we ask the questions again. Why, God? Or why me, God? 
And this is quite normal. And I want to remind you, perhaps as you are listening to this message, maybe sometimes or these days you feel like Job. Maybe you've been asking the questions, God, why is my life so difficult right now? God, why aren't you answering my questions? God, why aren't you answering my prayers, God? What are you doing in my life? And I want to remind you that what you may be going through today is quite normal. And I want to remind you again that you are not alone. I get it. But it's important, maybe even necessary for us to know that as people of God, that God is very well active and God is very well present in those moments of our troubles. Perhaps God is even more present. God is even more active in our troubles than usual. So let me set this reminder to all of you. God has not abandoned you. And he certainly has not singled you out, no matter what you're feeling, no matter how you feel today. Whatever it is that you're going through, God's promise is that he will see you through and he will give you the necessary strength and direction that you need. And God also wants you to know that he understands. He's not distantly removed from the reality of your troubles and your suffering. And God wants to remind you that he's with you. He feels your pain because he's walking close next to you. So today, as we unpack this notion of hardships, as, we, as you and I engage in conversations of exactly what can be happening as I'm suffering right now. Can something good out of the troubles that I'm in today? First thing I want to let you know that in the midst of your troubles, in the middle of your suffering, I want to remind you that God is, uh, uh, God is building up your faith. What's happening right now is that God is validating. There's a proof of your faith that is happening in the middle of our troubles and hardships. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distrayed by various troubles or various trials. So that, listen to this, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. Peter is conveying the same notion here. He's, he's not a blind He's not ignorant to the troubles that the believers in his time were facing. So he's fielding the complaints. He's fielding all of these uh, uh, difficulties that various Christians are going through. And he's conveying this incredible truth. He's saying, what you're going through now is not just about this life here on earth. And he's making this necessary connection between the troubles that we're facing life here on earth to the life that we shall experience one day 
and to be spent with our Lord Jesus Christ and ever on to eternity. He's marrying these two realities here. He's saying all these troubles that you're going through, God is refining you. God is purifying you. You're being hardened. You're being groomed. And God is forging you into his precious metal as gold. It is necessary for gold to be put through extreme heat and burning hot flames. And by then, all the dross, all the impurities are being taken off this precious metal. And Peter draws this beautiful analogy saying that in the same way, through the troubles that we encounter, God purifies us. God is readying us so that when we join Christ in the day of his return, when we spend our entirety of our lives and our beings and our existence into eternity, then we shall appear perfect without any blame, without any blemish. Isn't that incredible? Apostle Paul, in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, conveyed a similar notion. Let me read these verses for you. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal paul is in agreement with peter He's saying, though our outer bodies is decaying, we will grow old. That's inevitable. Our bodies will one day be dead. Our bodies will decay over time. But what is untouchable, what is imperishable, the things that contain inside our faith, And he's saying, God is forging us. God is readying us onto eternity. Something is happening in the realm of eternity. Let me echo the words of Apostle Peter here. We may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, friends, when Jesus Christ comes, When it's all said and done, when we come face to face with Christ one day, he says, it's our faith, not our gold or not anything that we possess or have in our hands. He says, it is our faith that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. So friends, know as you encounter various trials in your life, God is refining, God is perfecting your faith because at the end, it is your faith, through your faith that Christ will be glorified. Amen? Second, so what's happening? What's happening through the hardships? What is happening through the suffering that we encounter? What is happening through all the rainy days of our lives? 
Second purpose is I want to remind you that through these circumstances, through these difficult seasons, God is shaping us. God is teaching us and God is disciplining us. Trials and hardships and difficulties in life, it's through them, God, it's, it's God's way of molding us. It is God's way of shaping us. It's God taking the time, more intimately drawing us to him. It's so that he can teach us. It, it's so that he can teach us what? That we belong to him that we are forever his, that, that his ways are for us, and he's forever good for us. And in that, we should follow. In that, we should trust him more and more. Hebrews chapter 11, verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through on. Read this. Hear this. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. This is very interesting here. He's talking about physical discipline. He's talking about spiritual discipline. He's talking about suffering, hardships, and those are the words, those are the sentiments tied together with the word discipline. And the author of Hebrews is conveying that God disciplines those he loves. God heaps troubles. God brings trouble and hardships upon those he loves. He equates hardships. He equates the burdens and the troubles of this life to what? His love for us. In verse 7, in the same passage, it says, it is for discipline that you endure. Meaning you're able to have strength to go on because you know that God is disciplining you. God is teaching you. And it says God deals with you as sons. Conveying again, God's not just punishing you. God is doing this because he loves you. God is heaping difficulty upon your life because he loves you. Does this make sense? And he also says this in verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. This means... That the hardships that we go through, the difficult seasons that we encounter during the course of our lives, the troubles that we may face in the course are because God is trying to grow us. God is trying to shape us. God is molding us. God is purifying us again. God is refining us. God is building our character Years ago, when I was a young Christian, uh, I may have been about 18, 19, it was a season where my life was very difficult. It, it felt as though that um, I look around and all of these hardships, 
all the difficult things that you could imagine in your life, it was just happening over and over repeatedly in my life. Financially, my, fa- my family was in a deep mess. Relationally, uh, some of us, we weren't talking to each other. Communication was uh, suffering. Uh, there was very little trust among us. And, 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 you know, 98, I think we were physically separated. You know, I remember my brother going to Korea without the promise of him ever returning to the States again. I mean, it was just really a difficult season in our lives. Too much trouble, and nothing seemed to come easy for me and my family. It was just really tough. And I discovered Job, or the character of Job, reading through the scriptures. I remember thinking, man, I'm drawing so much encouragement and strength from from the story of Job. And even then, it wasn't enough. My heart was pressed. Uh, my, my, my mind was filled with doubts. And I was growing really tired. And I was wondering how much suffering, how much pain I could endure going forward. It was then a friend of mine from church came to me and shared a story about a shepherd's way of dealing with sheep that go astray. And she began to tell a story about Sometimes a shepherd is in charge of uh, herding or shepherding many, many sheep. Uh, it, it's usually not, it's usually that number is in, in, in multiple hundreds. So imagine just incredible number, uh, just a large flock of sheep that he would attend to. But sometimes sheep being very uh, unintelligent or very stupid, easily put, uh, some sheep get lost. They get misguided or they, get, uh, they, uh, they lose track of time and, and they're eating grass or they're feeding and then one day t- one t- they look up and everyone's gone. The rest of the flock are gone. So they get lost. And when the shepherd comes home to the fold and counts the number and, you know, as the Bible conveys this uh, beautiful parable, a story to us, the shepherd will go out, eventually retrieve the lost sheep. And in that moment of finding this lost sheep, they say traditionally it's not uncommon for the shepherd to break the leg of the sheep that was once lost. Perfectly fine. Legs are perfectly fine, but the shepherd would, out of his brute force, would break the leg of the sheep. And after that, immediately, while the sheep is wincing, screaming, in pain of the broken leg, the shepherd would then immediately attend to it bandaging up the wound, carefully wrapping it up. And from that moment on, the shepherd would carry the sheep on his shoulder until the sheep is fully healed. You imagine a broken leg would take weeks, if not months, to heal properly. And from that day on, the sheep would not leave the shoulder of the shepherd. And during that time, the sheep will learn of the scent of the shepherd, will familiarize the ways of the shepherd, hearing the voice and and feeling the breath and feeling the heartbeat of the shepherd. And the shepherd will use that time, become so intimate with the sheep. When the leg is finally healed and you put the sheep down, and that sheep is often the closest one following faithfully on the side of the shepherd. When I heard that story, 
a light went on. And I began to see. I began to have a different position as I faced different trials in life. It was no longer just, man, I'm going to just hold. I'm going to just endure it. I'm going to just wait. I'm going to just, you know, you know, you know, I, it, resisting and fighting and enduring became, no longer became my goal. I began to sit patiently. I began to uh, surrender my heart. God, even in my troubles, God, would you speak? God, would you allow me to familiarize your voice? God, would you allow me to be intimate with you in this season that even when the troubles are present in my life, that I would hear your voice, that I would be faithful in following you. Friends, I'm not going to pretend how difficult your life is. No one in this world may know just how stressed you may be. The pressure that you feel Pressure to provide for your family. Pressure to make it through the problems that you see in your marriage. The troubles that you encounter, the doubts that you have, even in your singleness. Waiting for God to provide for you a decent job. With no certain promise that is coming your way. I understand but I wonder if we can have possibly a different mindset where God, in this season, I will patiently wait. In this season, I will inquire of you even more deeply. God, I will seek you. I will cry out to you, God. I will be familiar with your ways in this season. You need to understand that God does this with us sometimes. He disciplines us. He lets us be in our suffering, not because he wants to see us punished, not because he wants to see us suffering in those situations, it's because he wants to see us come out stronger. He wants to see us correctly discern his voice, that we become even more familiar with his ways, that we may become truly intimate with him. As a child, I was not the easiest kid for my parents. And for that, I pay the heavy price, or they pay the heavy price of physically disciplining me. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was spanked, I was beat, uh, you know, not, not in a legal way, but it just within the reasonable realm. And I would often hear my mom say, hey man, I'm beating you because I love you. <laughs> I didn't understand that. Because as a young kid, all, I, all I'm thinking, man, no, no, you're beating me because you're mad at me. <laughs> but as years go past, I think more and more I understand that, um, more completely I understand that 
There was an intention. There was a thought behind. behind. In the moments where I felt like, man, you don't like me. You hate me. You just want to see me suffer. Years later, I realized in those moments, my mom, my parents really did have the best interest for me. It's to guard me safely from greater harm. It's so that I, I may grow more maturely in the ways of righteousness. And I believe, friends, that God uses different trials, difficult, uh, difficulties, hardships in our lives to remind us that we don't yet know everything. And it's simply readying us as he conveys his will and purpose for us. I've been checking in almost on a weekly basis with my friend to see how he's doing and making sure that he's not completely resigned. And I could see that something is different in that nothing is the same anymore. I think now he's taking on the challenge. He's accepted the challenge. Now he's fighting the fight. He's not conceding anymore. He's not completely resigned. He's not fighting for the current struggle to just merely end. But yet now, but now he's focused on what God may be doing in him as he's continuing to working, he's continuing to work to better the circumstances in his life. In that he's now less concerned about the outcome but now he's fully invested in the process. He's more focused on the fact that he will come out stronger. He will come out more pure and more refined. Rooftop Church, what about you? What are you going through today? What, di what difficult challenges do you find yourself in today? Are you asking why it's been so difficult? Have you been asking how long your current troubles will last? What if in these moments where you feel where you're all alone, where it seems like God is nowhere to be found, what if I told you that God is here now, God is present, perhaps even more present than ever before. And I want to convey the same words to you as I did for my friend weeks back. God loves you. God is here with you. And God is eager to see you more mature and more refined, and he wants to see you so much stronger than you already are. Would you make a promise to God? Would you pray a prayer to God today? Say, God, I will not give up. God, I will not turn away from you. God, I will not resign from my faith that is firmly placed in you. 
Friends, would you take this moment to pray with me? Say these words to God. God, I know I am not done. I know that you are working in me. I know the tests and the hardships that I'm facing is because you are working in me. God, I want to trust you. God, I want to continue to be faithful to you. Pray that right now.